I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to this week's It's All Blackademic podcast with your boy Jordan and once again joined by my producer Alex. How are you doing Alex? I am good, thank you. How are you doing Jordan? I'm good man, I'm good, I'm well. It's been a good week. Mm-hmm. It's been cold but bright. It's been so cold but bright. I think we are very it. much in spring. Yep. Um, I'm still a bit sceptical about that. I'm still waiting for the snow burst to come because nah, that's nah, what nah, February nah. tends to do to me. Yeah. So I'd rather just give that wait for that to happen <laughs> and then like not be disappointed <laughs> but then you know who knows the sunshine's been looking good the, the weather's been a lot warmer so you know i'm happy i'm good getting my vitamin d getting my little getting dose it of in, it yeah. getting it in good, good, it's good. all good it's all right um just a shout out to all listeners thank you very much for those who have subscribed to the podcast so far um here on acast um if you haven't followed the channel as well on our youtube channel go check us out there as well we are on uh, it's all Blackademic and it's Blackademic TV. That's Blackademic with no C's. So Alex, what's what's caught your, your eye in the, in the last few days? So talk to me, what's going on? What has caught my eyes in the last few days? I've completely forgotten what we spoke about <laughs> all of five minutes ago. Please remind okay, I'll me. I'll prompt you. There was something <laughs> uh, to do with a fashion designer. Yes, okay, yep, yeah, yes, yes. Carl Lagerfeld <laughs> died <laughs> yesterday. I don't know what happened. I just had a mind blank. I was looking at my phone thinking, <laughs> had a mind fart, I just don't it. know what's going on. Anyway, Carl Lagerfeld, he died um, this week. He was 85, one of the top designers for Chanel, had a very illustrious career, mm. was very close with Andy Warhol, um, was instrumental for the generation and the beginning of a lot of these models' careers, Cara Delevingne, Naomi Campbell, etc. good friends of Anna Wintour. He passed away, and um, a lot of people were sad, and he obviously he passed away in the most dramatic fashion that you could possibly do, and he passed away during London Fashion Week, so mm-hmm. people had to remember him, and had to <laughs> yeah. make sure that they bowed, they bowed their head in um, reverence for him, but you know, rest in peace. Um, are you a fashion guy? Are you, are you not particularly, to but like I do keep my ear to the ground, mm-hmm. and I do just keep I keep a lookout, just start just watching around. My sister and my cousin are pretty much fashionistas, so they are very much at London Fashion Week and aspiring to get to Paris Fashion Week, etc. Mm-hmm. Each year, but I'm just watching. Like I think it's a, it's a lot. It's very pompous for me. Um, London Fashion Week or fashion just in, just in general, like it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, it's not necessarily not pompous. I shouldn't say, but it's a lot of like of everything. 
I enjoy that environment, but it's, sometimes it can be really draining. And I've seen a lot of models get really drained from it. They have to like take days out just because having to keep up with what's yeah, going on, having yeah. a certain look all the time. That maintenance is yeah. a lot of work. Yeah, and it's a lot. It's a lot. Just being around everybody, being overly social, being everything, and um, yeah. But he passed away, and um, rest in peace. And honorable mention to Andrea Levy, who passed away last week. Um, very instrumental black British writer Mm -hmm. about the West Indian experience and the Windrush experience in the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, very few people have the, well, in the UK anyway, we have a very specific black British canon for literature as well. So just want to say honourable mention to her. No, definitely, definitely. We did a piece on her, um, Channel 4 News, and um, I I won't lie, I'd, I'd heard of her and I was aware of some of her work, but she wasn't someone who was very prominent in my knowledge of of literature and that's quite bad um as someone of jamaican heritage but um yeah she she did establish a lot of the rhetoric for what we kind of perceive as what the uh, you know she did the small island adaptation which was on the bbc mm-hmm. which had ashley waters mm-hmm. and ruth wilson and um david oleowolo I don't know how to say it. There so you go. It's close enough. Is that close enough? You know who you um, mean. You know who he is. Sorry if I butchered your surname. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Don't hate me. Um, but yeah, um, it was the pinnacle for a lot of their careers within the BBC and other programs that they are now doing, such as Luther and all the rest um but yeah like she's she's done a lot um the long song 
was amazing adaptation that was on the BBC as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very sad. Very sad. Yeah, it was a bit of a shock to a lot of people. As I say, at work when the news came through, there was genuine. Um, this is a big. This is a big story. It's a big loss. Um, and finally, there's just mentioned to British politics, kind of trying to move like some. French revolutionaries now. There's an uprising in politicians and MPs that are, are breaking away from, um, well, it started with Labour. And just before we started recording this show, uh, there was a, we told there was three, four Tory MPs mm-hmm. that have broken away to try and link up with this independent party. What, what are your thoughts on this? Are these opportunistic politicians or do you think, do you genuinely believe these are guys that just don't believe their parties? values are what they signed up to and therefore they need to leave as a, as a matter of principle um you know what when it comes to politics change needs to be something that's very that needs to happen all the time things need to change people need to adapt and ch- the labor party was born out of people leaving the sdp back in however many decades ago that was you know the the whigs back in whatever century then became the conservative party things change people move out of, people move out of parties people create new ones people create a new future for politics and but, th- but does it matter to you their motive motives as to why I mean, or do you just think change needs to change to happen. Just make it happen. I do think that change always needs to happen, and you know their their motives are you like are inconsequential. Like it doesn't make like they just said that they didn't like what was happening within the Labour Party. They didn't agree with that leadership, and they didn't agree with the camaraderie or the morale that was there. So what do you do in any of those situations? You step out of it and you make a new thing or you go to a new situation. It's like if you're working in a job, you hate your colleague, you keep stealing your butter from their fridge, from your fridge, and then you just think, you know what? It's not good. It's not a good environment for me or you. So I'm going to go. One's got to go. I'm going to go. I want to implement new rules. Which one of what are we going to do here? And I think they just got fed up of trying to implement new rules. So they just stepped out and just created their own thing. My confusion though is are they independent MPs in an independent party or are they an independent party? I was going to ask that question next. It's a bit weird. How, how do you, you can't be how a- do you get people from different parties all of a sudden thinking, yeah, I wouldn't be in the same party as you, yeah. even though you've been in a party that has, you know, opposing views yeah. politically to me. How does that all of a sudden, yeah. how does that work? It just... You know, again, it's a new wave of politics. You're going to have a, an ex-Lib Dem, an ex-Labour, ex-Conservative, all in one party. And I do think that... That's a bad thing. I do think, no, I do think... I, I, I did say this a lot, especially around the coalition times and obviously the beginnings of Brexit, roll my eyes. I think that a lot of these parties have a lot to learn from one another because where, for example, a Conservative Party member could have a perspective on economics, a Labour Party can have a great perspective on social issues a Lib Dem and Green can have a great perspective on general work life and environment and you know they can all work together if they find the common ground and the common ground is for the UK to be one of the best places to live in the world however sorry but how does that work though if I'm someone that believes ideologically and politically the country and people should be living like this and you ideologically and politically believe the complete opposite how can we it's all about yeah put your ego aside the idea is you're you're there to do a job you're there to represent people and you're there to kind of make the country work 
the country's meant to work because yeah, you're but, an MP. But, you but see it, what I mean? But there's, there's got to be a how. This is what, the, your no. way of what the country working is different to my way. So how no, do this we is, align this is what I'm that saying. That's what I'm saying. You find the common ground. The mm. common ground is that you want to live the best possible way in this country. However, you all bring different strengths and talents to it. Mm. It's like any team, you know, like there's going to be, as I said, you know, if they've got a party who's ideology, who are quite strong with the economic agenda, mm. work on the economic agenda. If you've got someone who's going to be quite strong on the environmental agenda, work on the environmental agenda. What are the common grounds between the two? Where can they work? the best out of it and then go forward. The, the the annoying thing and the hard thing is that everybody wants to enforce their own views and that's it. And then that's when it all becomes an issue. So we'll see how this independent It's going to be interesting, works. very interesting. I, I think, don't know what's going to happen. I think this could be a massive moment in British politics because I think for a long time people have been saying that Labour don't buy into what Labour values are. And same with the Tories. You've got a lot of soft on the right and a lot of hard on the left. So I think this in some ways is a good thing because mm. you're gonna, this is an amalgamation of, of of what people have been saying for a while. So maybe a breakaway is what was needed because the Tory party maybe isn't what it's supposed to be and same with the Labour party. So let's let's see how that works out. Um, we next, shall. Next few weeks, especially with Brexit coming as well. So We shall that, see how that works. That'll be interesting. What's happening, people? And welcome to this week's episode of It's All Blackademic with your host, myself, Jordan Jarrett Bryan. Now, before I announce our panel and our debate for this week, I want to do another shout out to our socials. As usual, you know by now, I know all you guys out there, if you're watching this, you're on social media, so don't front. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, and please follow us on Twitter as well. And if you're here, you might as well subscribe to us as well. The button is just below us right now, so click it and you'll get now weekly content from the Blackademic TV crew. Right, so this week on the show, I want to have a discussion with my panel here about being black and the, being a member of the Tory party and a, a Tory supporter. And to do so, I've got here uh, Ola Kalade, who's a community engagement from the Tory party. Yep. I've also got here Fumi Olatoye, who's a uh, works a consultant across across parties and also a bit of PR as well. Mm-hmm. And I've got here Dane Baptiste, who I know is personally very um, politically engaged. Is that fair to say? It's fair to say. Fair to say. Yeah, yeah. I'd say my, I guess, political uh, leanings kind of apolitical, but yeah, mm. a few, uh, I guess, the sensibilities from each side. Cool. And I want, I want to come to that as well because that's something I want to, I want to bring out as well in the debate. But I'll start uh, with you, Ola. Um, tell me a little bit about how long you've been a, a supporter and a member within the Tory Party, and why you feel the Tory Party is the party that can do good for the Black community. Uh, good for the black community. Yeah. Um, so I guess my day job um, on a day-to-day basis is running a program called National Citizen Service, and that's completely government funded. Uh, so since 2011, it was actually part of the big society idea that David Cameron had. Um, and ever since then, I've been quite involved with sort of national government and just kind of observing what 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 policy works and um, how that funding can help um, social integration. Mm-hmm. So the whole premise of the program itself is about getting people from different community backgrounds mixing with each other, getting to understand each other, getting to celebrate each other um, and actually building something. So through, you know, volunteering with local charities, campaigning for local issues um, and fundraising for local issues as well. So um, through that, I've, I've, I've worked with different MPs um, and I just started to pay attention to, you know, the, the national landscape from a political standpoint. So I was actually born and raised in Nigeria. So British politics wasn't something that naturally came to me. Um, but I'll probably say around sort of 2008 was when I sort of started sort of paying attention. 
and getting more involved. Um, and I made a decision about 18 months ago to actually join the, the Conservative Party. And since then, it's just been, um, uh, yeah, it's just been exciting, really exciting. Just loads of opportunities to and And what, to up. what are the values of uh, the Conservative Party do you feel conducive to supporting them as, as, as a black man? As a black man, um, so like I said, I was born and raised in Nigeria. My dad was a businessman before he got involved quite quite involved with the church. Um, and it was just that whole, the values of ambition, um, the power of personal responsibility. And, you know, in Nigeria, you don't have a local government. You don't have someone who's providing you water. You create your own water. You don't have someone providing you electricity. You create your own elect- electricity. So I think it's just that whole premise of having a small government, um, but actually empowering people to, to be their own their own um, champions of their own destiny. So I think um, when I looked around the political landscape, you know, looked at Labour, Lib Dems, Greens, um, I guess the party who that, I think it's, a, it's impossible to have a party that totally represents you, whether it's a, as a black man or as a man or as anyone. Um, but in terms of values, in terms of aspirations, I think the party that spoke to me the most um, was the Conservative Party. And, and then I can, we can talk about sort of individuals mm-hmm. and how in, specific individuals sort of reached out because um, it is all about individuals in terms of relationships. Sure. So, so I think that's my journey, um, just my personal beliefs and my values, and then just the power of the individual. So, you know, I was talking to Fumi about a friend of mine called Samuel Kasumu, who I went to university with, and he's been quite involved with the Conservative Party. And um, in 2017, he ran for um, uh, as an MP in, in Croydon. And when I saw that, you know, representation is important, because when I saw that, I was like, actually, if he, regardless of what party, if he can do that, Surely I can do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about NTS as well. So we reached out to a lot of politicians at the time. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know it's a conservative policy. So you would have a vested interest for conservative MPs to get involved. But at the same time, we reached out to MPs in Croydon. Um, cause I was working in Croydon at the time. We reached out to MPs across the political spectrum, but it all only, all only seemed that it was the conservative MPs who were bothered. And this wasn't something about making money. It was about something about, you know, talking to young people, getting young people involved in their local communities. Um, so, so I think for me, a, a guy called Gavin Barwell, who's Theresa May's chief of staff now, he actually came on a program. He was the MP in Croydon Central at the time, and he came to speak to young people. Um, and, and these were predominantly sort of young black yeah. boys uh-huh. in, in Croydon. And he just spoke about the importance of community engagement, the importance of, you know, understanding your community and giving back to your community. And from there, I didn't really have a political home at the time, but just seeing that, you know, you have the stereotype of, um, conservative MPs or conservatives just being sort of white, old, rich. Well, let me pause you there because uh, I, I want to come back to that yeah, kind yeah, of perception. Yeah. Um, Dane, as you said at the top there, you're not necessarily, you're quite politically engaged without necessarily being affiliated strongly to any mm. one party. <coughs> yeah. Uh, why, if indeed it's the case, are the Tory party not a party that as, as a black person you feel isn't for you? And if that's true, is, is it, is it a race thing for you? Is it a, they're not conducive to, to black the black community and what the black community needs and wants. I think the most prominent example for me would be the Windrush scandal mm-hmm. and uh, particularly their handling of that. And uh, you know, going back to what Ola said, um, I think yeah, it's very it's uh, it's very valid to say that there are a lot of views from people that may be first second generation immigrants, particularly from maybe West Africa or the uh, British West Indies, who are kind of quasi conservative in their views, which are kind of uh, just kind of intersectionality between like you know the self determination. And uh, also, kind of fundamental Christianity, um, and with that, uh, by that merit, a lot of uh, Caribbeans that came over would have kind of made a life for themselves, uh, actively contributed towards their community, and uh, in return for their work, they got a slap in the face. 
uh, so far as like, you know, they were in, uh, Caribbeans, uh, immigrants, and to, uh, to a very slightly lesser extent, uh, later on, African immigrants would have contributed towards like building a uh, infrastructure in London, particularly, as well as working towards uh, providing uh, universal health care in this country. And then for uh, them to be told that they have to return to their countries where they've, even though they've been in the UK longer than they've been in their respective countries of origin, I just find to be ridiculous. And I don't think any party that would be, you know, working towards uh, some kind of galvanizing a community would ever allow that. something to happen, especially when, you know, as we investigate further, we find out that records have been destroyed kind of thing, uh, which would have, even if people wanted to follow protocol and actually try and apply for citizenship in the UK, which they were actually told after a certain amount of time would have been axiomatic for them to have had after working and paying taxes for so long, then loopholes are being found which are allowing for people to be kind of deported. And uh, so I just, I don't think, and, you know, and just also just, there's repeated issues and sound bites from like members of the Conservative Party, which have come across as being very, very racist, as well as the fact that you find further uh, former Conservative Party members then going on to uh, work for UKIP and allowing this very racist mm. or racially charged narrative to continue. So for me, myself personally, I just remain very sceptical that it can be a party that would serve the interests of needs. the uh, diaspora. The needs needs. Yeah. Do you, do you, if I can just go back, do you have a specific example of uh, a Conservative member going to work for UKIP? There's probably a few of them, but... Uh, Specific no. examples? No, a specific one. So, so, so you think there's no one from the Conservative Party has left the Tories and gone and joined UKIP? Not to my knowledge, no. no are you talking about two. voters or are you talking about workers? You're talking about MPs, right? You're talking about MPs, yeah. There's two MPs that have done that. Are you talking about voters or MPs, though? I'm talking about MPs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Voters, I mean, the voters, that, that's fine because you've got late, you've got late members, the Labour Party that end up voting for UKIP, but I'm talking about specifically like MPs. two MPs yeah. to the point where it appears that UKIP exists as a shell, com as, as a shell party for super racist conservative members. MPs, just to clarify that, MPs don't work for the party. <coughs> MPs are public servants. So I think there's a difference between understanding what the conservative machine is, the party. Mm -hmm. Party is very different to MPs who obviously work for. Yeah, but the acronym would suggest that they are members of the party so that they, yeah. so they do agree with the uh, ideology of the party. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so far as like, I mean, and again, that would make me even more cynical. Obviously, the reference of them being public servants is that when you have an expenses scandal and these instances of misappropriation of uh, taxpayers' money for the purposes of people wanting to build moats yeah. in their houses. Mm -hmm. It makes me very cynical that they are acting in the interests of community. So I feel like at a certain level, when you are able to transcend uh, maybe your class and realise something, you know, like a lot of people are able to do, like for the Windrush generation, then class becomes more of a factor than uh, race does. And I feel for a lot of people that may have uh, from our community, they may have a lot more in common with uh, other conservatives. It's more of a class issue as opposed to a, a race one. And I feel that if you are uh, going to be a member of a party whereby, you know, there is a mismanagement of funds and as a civil servant, you're not acting in the interest of a community, then, you know, considering how many, uh, how much of the diaspora forms the working class in this country, I just don't really see how they could really be benefiting us. But let, let, let me try, let me try uh, in for okay. me now. Um, as someone that works across all the parties, mm -hmm. do you feel that the Conservative parties have the worst values or even maybe just the worst public image of trying to attract the black votes? And is it some of the examples that Dane has given that are just so bad, they're never going to ever, they're, they're never going to attract a certain uh, proportion of the black community to vote for them? 
You know, I think what it is, it's historical. Mm. I think the problem is, is that we have people who are in their, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, who still remember the imagery and the message of the Conservative Party, you know, after the war where they said, you know, if you want to, if you want a Negro as a neighbour, vote Labour. Mm -hmm. So I think people still have that in the back of their minds. And as a result, these kind of things are passed on to generation to generation to generation. So even though necessarily, not necessarily people who are my age, so, you know, so-called millennials, mm. we might not necessarily see that kind of negative imagery from the Conservative Party. We very much still have that from our parents, our grandparents. Um, and it, it's word of mouth. Word of mouth is the most powerful um, tool, I guess, to to bring across a message. I think because of the fact that the Conservative Party do have that historic, um, you know, negative imagery where they're trying to portray um, themselves as someone who was at the time for white people and, you know, mm. non-immigrants. I think that's something that they're still suffering from, from for today. And did you notice any kind of shift in, I suppose, or rising numbers of black people, maybe of, of generation of our grandparents that maybe were considering voting Tory and then the Windrush scandal just, just ended that. Anyone that was potentially who's black thinking about, maybe not the Tories have changed, that just that ended that. I think honestly, it depends on the demographic that you speak to, because if you speak to some Caribbeans, absolutely, there's, you know, complete uproar in that community. And, and rightly so that they're upset that the government did not do what they could have done mm. um, and as efficiently as they could have done, considering how serious this, the scandal was. Mm -hmm. But then if you speak to some Africans, you know, it's a bit like, well, that was unfortunate, but thank God it didn't happen to me. And they continue to vote for whatever party they, they feel fits their beliefs. So I think it definitely does. And is that dangerous? Because the fact that it didn't happen to them it could have happened to them. Is that mindset of it what didn't happen to me and my direct community? Mm. So I can let it slide. Is that quite dangerous? I mean, it depends. I always say it depends, but it really does depend because the thing is, is that as black people, we are minority in this, in this country. Mm -hmm. So you'd think that, you know, no matter what part of that kind of black demographic you fall part of, whether it's Caribbean or African, we should so-called stick together. But I still feel like there is a bit of a divide where Africans do feel like, oh, that's the same that that happened to Caribbeans and Caribbeans might feel the same way if it was vice versa. And to say if, if it's dangerous, I don't know if dangerous is the right word, but I think it's unfortunate that we don't kind of see ourselves, ourselves as a collective because at the end of the day, we still do see, we still are facing the same issues mm -hmm. We still have a so-called common enemy, if you, mm. if you, if, if you like, you know, which is racism and those who hold those racist views. So I still feel that, you know, um, as much as some Africans or some Caribbeans may differ in their opinion when it comes to the Windrush scandal, um, to say it's dangerous, I wouldn't go that far, but mm. I think it's unfortunate that we don't have the same collective view. Ola, as, as someone that's affiliated with the Conservative Party, do you, when you tell other black people that you work for the Tory party, what's the reaction generally? I don't, I don't work for the... Sorry, don't work for you. Yeah, just sorry. to say, yeah. Um, but you're affiliated. I, th I think you're it just, part it, of the party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember. I think, it, I think it depends. I think, um, yeah, I think the older generation, I totally agree with everything that you said, um, might, you know, have, you know, sort of reservations about it. Um, you know, for, for example, my, my dad always voted conservative and he was a... I'm, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I was born and raised in Nigeria. Um, and so was my dad. So I think it just depends on individual experiences as well. But I think leadership is so important. Um, I think leadership is important um, in reference to, you know, these sort of campaigns. Because I guess when you look at when the campaigns put out, because I've been involved with national and local campaigns, what campaigns are trying to do uh, are trying to, 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 um, to, to resonate a message to, to the country. So actually, if a country has those sort of views, um, what 
someone who might not necessarily run a good campaign might do is to tender to those specific views. So I think it's a little bit unfair to 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 paint. I mean, and a huge mistake to to have a, such a campaign to to to, to of, of that ne- ne- message. Um, but but I think we should think about leadership because if if someone who was a right leader um, saw that campaign, they should have actually said, "No, that's not fine." That's not okay. We're not going to run that campaign. Well, not necessarily um, because you have to remember that at that time, yeah. that was how people thought. That conservative was or not conservative, yeah, conservative that was, that or was not the conservative. Of the day. Yeah. So it's difficult to say that you know a leader should have looked at that campaign and said, "Oh, that's bad," because yeah. that was just the culture of the day. The same way now well, we we accept people of the LGBT yeah. community ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, yeah. people wouldn't have done. So it's easy for someone now to say, "Well." Back then, why did you not accept them? It's because you're looking in hindsight. Yeah, I'll say that to say this. So David Cameron was someone who, like I said, kind of got me involved in the party, just looking at him. And he was someone who made a massive step to reach out to different ethnic communities. And the black <laughs> vote actually went up when, when David Cameron was in power. Um, so my point about leadership is if you have someone, whether you're leading a party, you're leading a church, or you're leading an organisation, who has a vested interest to make sure representation is important, to make sure um, that, you know, whether it's the country who has these views or different communities, actually, how can we reach out and give people different voices? And how, how can we actually fight racism? So, so I, I think it's just important to, 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 to have that perspective as well. Because if you have, for example, you know, Jeremy Corbyn, um, now that he's a leader, 10 years ago, there, wasn't, there weren't any messages about, you know, the Labour Party being anti-Semitic. The reason why these conversations are coming up is because certain people see something about his character that might suggest so. So, so, so that's why I think leadership is important because, you know, um, when, when um, Tony Blair was pres- um, Prime Minister, these, these conversations weren't coming up. So, you know, 50 years ago, if you had someone like Enoch Powell, for example, who was, you know, some people would say he was racist and he was a I minister. Racists always reference him. So as far as leadership, like, while David Cameron may have encouraged this big society, I mean, it's not really a function of leadership. It's a function of how good your publicist is. So if you have a good media cycle, good media campaign, which can portray you as being a lot more cosmopolitan or inclusive, then it's a lot easier for that to be portrayed. Whereas obviously someone from Jeremy Corbyn who has a lot more leftist socialist leanings is not going to invest the same amount of money and time in terms of revamping his image. And while it's been seen now that there's been all these references of him being anti-Semitic, it's not really been an issue of no one has any sound bites of him saying something that is anti-Semitic. It's, and, it's, and also it's really more anti-Zionist. It's just, it's just, it's just been used that because it's people within his party yeah. that have maybe had expressed views, like maybe Ken Livingston, for example, which have been perceived as anti-Semitic, and because he's refused to condemn them, yeah. then he's now been uh, given this title of being a, an apologist for anti-Semites. Now, going back to the issue of, again, if we go back to the issue of leadership, well, David Cameron would be a perfect example because, you know, so far as leadership, to uh, suggest a referendum and yeah. then to uh, abandon your post, yeah. so which brings us where we are now, doesn't really seem to me to be any form of... Uh, leadership with any kind of efficacy, especially because if you speak to most people where regarding Brexit and votes on Brexit, whether it's uh, Remain, but mainly for those who wanted to leave, for most people, their impetus for them voting to leave would have been for tighter immigration. So again, while this idea was being purported by the Conservative Party about inclusion and about a big society, then you now have uh, the head of the Conservative Party and the Prime Minister uh, overseeing, overseeing us leaving Europe. Yeah. And a large part of the people that support us leaving Europe did so under the pretense that we'd be able to have more regulation on immigration. Yeah. I just think for a party that emphasizes like free economy and, um, you know, self-determination and efficiency, um, what economy are you going to have that's yeah. not going to grow without immigration? 
But I it's, do, it's I more, do sorry, see. it's just more, just to come back, it's more than an image because it's about 200 million pounds a year that's going into social integration, you know, bringing communities together. So it's fair for you to say it's about image, but money's sort of been backed up to, 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 to contribute to that. I feel like that society, money probably yeah. would be easier obtained if there were more regulation in terms of practices of uh, medium to larger enterprises or multinationals that operate in the UK and are able to enjoy tax evasion. Or, for example, more scrutiny in the same way that you're scrutinised for like blue collar criminals. Same scrutiny was given to the misappropriation of expenses by MPs. Then you'd Which have a much significant amount base. of those MPs were Labour MPs as well. But we won't call all Labour MPs or Labour members or activists fraudsters, would, would we? We wouldn't call a party a party full of fraudsters if you know ten percent of its MPs were found guilty for for um, you know using or misusing. But we're calling, expenses. A, we're calling them a party of anti-Semites. I personally, I'm not doing that. But, you know, but, but I mean, that's, but that's what Jeremy Corbyn's been called is, is, being, is housing and protecting anti-Semites. But, you know, it's not, so far as like other MPs, like I said, I don't really have any leadings like where I'm completely affiliated with the Labour Party. But so far as like, you know, centrist or, or right-wing politicians who would talk about like, you know, a narrative whereby they are more opposed to the idea of, you know, social care, not so much social inclusion, but actual social care. Yeah. And, you know, and are more in favour of like privatisation to speak on one side and talk about privatisation of healthcare services, but then at the same time be involved in profiting directly from a tax base yeah. is a lot more of a conflicting ideology as opposed to people in Labour who support the idea of socialism and are civil servants. That's a, that's a good point. Good point. Let me ask you for me. So a lot of the policies that have been implemented over the years through the Tory party have been, have been policies that have been... <sighs> Not gone down well with the black community generally. Not not all, but large parts of the black community. But is you work in PR? Is 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 the PR on top of that another reason why a lot of young people, young black people, just would never go anywhere near the Tory party? Again, I think it just goes back to the the word of mouth situation. Is what you hear from your friends, what you hear from your neighbours, is what you hear from your family. Are they doing a good job in reaching out to the black community? I think they're doing a much better job than they were, say, during John Major's time, certainly during, you know, during Thatcher's time. I think, you know, going back to what Ola said about David Cameron and the fact that he did this kind of big society campaign, it has gone some way to try and get more young people into the Conservative Party. I mean, look, we're seeing an example mm -hmm. of that. So I think um, the Tory party is heading in a direction where they do realise that you know, A, modern times are changing and it is about inclusiveness and diversity. Whether you want to be sceptical and say, well, you're just trying to get the votes is one thing. But another thing could be maybe David Cameron truly is, feels that, you know, inclusion and diversity is, is important. But I think they are doing a much better job now than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. What have they got to do now to further improve on, on that image and that work that you say they've done? try and reach out to the black voters? I think the main thing is, is the recruiting process, very much so. I think if you see yourself in a situation or if you see someone like you in a particular job or role, it, it galvanises you to think, well, actually, I can do the same thing. Ola said to me that he saw a mutual friend of ours, Samuel Kusumi, running Croydon North as a Conservative MP, albeit it was a safe seat. He's still a black person running mm. as a potential MP, which... You know, if you're someone who has conservative views and you see that kind of person, that's amazing. You know, you see yourself and think, well, actually, if he can do it, I can do it. So I think if the Conservative Party were able to um, recruit more people of colour, of different sexualities, of different, you know, backgrounds, those people will in turn be a mirror to potential people who could come to the Conservative Party who aren't just your kind of bog standard white middle class male.
Just super briefly, Ola, yeah. you mentioned earlier on about you, you came here from Nigeria. Mm. How do you feel about the, the immigration policy of the Tory party, considering that you'll have friends like yourself that came here from parts of Africa? How, how do you, are you comfortable with their take on immigration and, and their attitude towards immigration? So as Being in the, the party or the government? The party. I guess the, 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 the government implement policies, um, I guess the party... It's just a machine. The party doesn't necessarily have policies. The government then. See, and this is what bothers me about politics in general is that yeah. this kind of straw man kind of mentality whereby we talk about the machine and we talk about the institution, but the institution is powered by and driven by human resource in terms of the form of people. So I understand that it's, like it's not the machine or the government, but at a very uh, you know rudimentary level, this... These policies come from discourse that happens within parliament. This is how policy is formed. So when we kind of like, I think it's kind of like shirking responsibility to be like, well, that's, that's the machine. That's the machine. The machine is driven by the human, human resources, by people themselves. So for me, it's like, I, I understand we, we can say like, this is the machine, but these policies come from and that they, they are formed as a concept from other, from other people. So, so are you comfortable with the policy considering? I guess, an immigrant yourself? I mean, I'm not going to speak as an expert on immigration policy because I'll, I'll be lying to you. But if I look at my journey and when myself and my brothers came here, we had to pay a significant amount of money to become um, British citizens. And, and my viewpoint is that sh there should be a fair system. So just because you live in France or Spain doesn't mean you should have the free access to just come here and <coughs> not sort of pay your way to become a citizen or be become a resident. So I, I think um, um, I, I came legally um, and, you know, there's a different conversation about, you know, people who are maybe fleeing um, areas of, of, of war. Um, but, you know, if you come here legally, then there's a conversation about how, whether it's an amnesty or, or, you know, how, how you're, or how you become a citizen, if, if that makes sense. So, um, I guess my viewpoint is I, I preach for a, f a fairer society. Um, and at the same time, as a Christian, I think honesty is key. So, you know, if, if, if you, if you, um, if you find your way into this country through illegal means, um, and whilst, you know, I have members of my church who, you know, came through those means um, and eventually became citizens, um, it, I think it's just a significant journey. And, and I haven't experienced that myself, so I don't necessarily know what it feels like. But having come through my journey, I think it would be fair to say coming through that process and being someone who's, I feel like I've contributed to this country. I didn't have to stay in this country. Mm. I could go back to Nigeria because I came here for education. Okay. Um, so, so I think it's just, if you're going to come here, come here legally. And if you can't, then, you know, make sure you do whatever it takes to, to, for you to be a legal citizen of a country or resident of a country. Okay, I've just got a couple of minutes left, guys. Um, let me just ask you, um, do you feel generally politics is fading the black community across parties? Or do you think it's a, it's a party by party basis? I, I think politics is failing the people generally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, but obviously because black people find themselves in, you know, a so-called lower social demographic, social economic demographic, you know, we get the hardest hits. Um, I think it's important, sorry to interrupt you as well for me, is that, again, when it comes to political discourse, you have to remember that the vote wasn't even a privilege we were able to enjoy mm, until a few recent generations. So mm. sometimes I think there's this pressure for black people to have a higher political aptitude than they should have because, you know, the knowledge of politics and the mechanics of which, outside of a bipartisan, bipartisan paradigm, is 
only what maybe three generations deep mm. for us in this yeah, country yeah. like you think about even the states as well civil rights that was signed what 70s so mm. that's like recorded memory when my parents were alive mm. so even they would remember the time when they were alive where like my parents were like teenagers when before martin luther king was assassinated so yeah i think it's failing but it's not failing because of like the fact that we're refusing to engage like this is something we're having to get to grips with you mm. know very slowly. No, 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 but at the same time, Final I feel point. like even though we're, as you said, we're three generations deep, I still don't feel like it's an excuse for black people not to get involved. Because if you do speak to that, let me not say the average black person, but if you do speak to many black people, they just feel kind of like, oh, whatever, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do anyway. I don't vote. I don't care. That kind of apathy is exactly why policies are not made in our favor it's because true. they just think, very well, true. you're not going to vote. Regardless of the fact that you're Labour, Conservative, Green Party, Lib Dem, mm-hmm. whatever. So it's very, very important to, you know, to have an active voice in the community because the reason why newspapers write the way they write for a certain demographic is because they know those people pick up the papers. They feed that audience. So, and that's normally middle England. So say for example, if black people had a stronger voice, we would be able to sway politicians to write policies that would benefit us because they know, right, you know, the black community have a strong voice. The same way Jewish people have a very strong voice Mm -hmm. in the U S there are policies that, certain politicians and certain parties there know that you know what if they create this policy they know a certain demographic will will vote for them and i think that if black people were more engaged we would be able to have those policies and 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 ultimately those laws work in our favor absolutely just in 30 seconds just um apolitical was the phrase used at the top there yeah just tell us why well uh just and it might follow on from that yeah yeah basically that like you know uh, again going back to like what's a bipartisan political structure or a two-party system is that both of them may have been at some point maybe worked to galvanise and uh, curry favour from the diaspora, but no one really acts in our interest and maybe because we're not that politically engaged. So I say I'm apolitical because most of the movements that I've seen that have been working towards self-determination for uh, Caribbeans and African people have come from people that existed outside of the uh, political paradigm. Mm -hmm. So for me, I say apolitical because I'm not going to be naive enough to think that all of Labour's policies, for example, serve my interests and the same for Conservative either. So really, my real, uh, I guess, outlook would be is that for the diaspora and for uh, Black British, uh, whether we're immigrants or people uh, or indigenous to the country or born here, then the endeavour should be to maybe have that community galvanise and assert what uh, policies would benefit them before we begin to align ourselves with any of the uh, political parties. Guys, that was great. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Do not forget to subscribe to us on all of our socials. Insta, Facebook and Twitter. We're also on here. YouTube, subscribe to our channel as well. Tell a friend, tell the cabman, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell everybody. Black and TV. Until next week, peace. So we're going to wrap up now with our final section, um, overrated or underrated. This week on the show, we have one of our regulars, Nick Tyrell, um, who joined us to tell us about who, in his opinion, within the black culture, black community <laughs> is... Uh, overrated or underrated. Enjoy. Welcome to It's All Black Academic Podcast. Hello, Alex. Um, just a quick question. Who is your most underrated or overrated person being problematic fave, mm. however you want to call it, <laughs> um, that you want to talk about at this moment? So I'll talk about Lil Pump. Um, he's in Trap. Uh, lyrically, he just kind of embodies what's wrong with kind of the genre right now I agree for like a little bit of um, dilution of lyrics but he's at a level where it's just it's just a bit it's just a bit whack at this point um, 
I think also his use of the N-word as a non-black Latinx uh, is problematic as well. And I think the fact that I see non-black POCs hyping him and some black people as well, is just kind of interesting, that whole dynamic as well. Um, also, I just think that he has no respect for his peers in the game, which is kind of, I'm not saying you have to completely lie on the floor and worship every single rapper in the game, but I think that you know, lineage is important and I think he kind of takes it for granted how much other people or his surrounding peers worked. Um, in terms of trap artists like Gucci Man and all that kind of stuff, I think they actually have a respect for the culture, whereas he latently just floats above the culture and kind of um, displaces it. Yeah, I just really hate his lack of the word, um, the N word, and I just think it's really inappropriate. And the fact that he keeps doubling down on it is one of the reasons which kind of lead me to believe that he's overrated. Also, I think with artists like Nav, which is a non-black POC, he realized the error of his ways and kind of apologized for it publicly. He's a Canadian producer and artist. And I think Little Pump has been critiqued on this a lot of times and kind of just skirts around the question every time. So that's why he's overrated, super big, sells every kind of song, uh, still consistently in the clubs. Um, should he be in music whatever that's debatable trap is a thing now and yeah that's just another debate but i just really hate that the fact that he uses the m-word and still gets away with it um whereas other artists get massive critique so yeah cool Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.